as we are building. Today our topic will be love the Lord your God. Amen. Love the Lord your God. Um, in life, many things will demand our loyalty. Okay? It could be your family, your husband, your wife, your children, your parents. It could be the sports you love. Perhaps you love hockey. You love football. Things will demand your loyalty. One thing that definitely would demand your loyalty is your flesh. Okay? When you feel hungry, you eat. Your flesh demands that. And many other things the flesh will demand. And God comes to his people and he said, love the Lord your God. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Read. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Amen? Amen. So, Jordan River comes in here, doesn't it? (laughs) So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that it may, you may enjoy a long life. You realize the decree wasn't given to the people. He said, you, your children, and your children. So you think here about your salvation, goodness. Think about your children and your grandchildren to come. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Oh, by the way, there was a teenager who wanted to do tattoo. Mm-hmm. And the parents phoned me say, oh, our child would like to do tattoo. Mm-hmm. And what should we go about it? And I said, what does he want? He said he wants to put a cross on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Now, should we allow that? That's a whole discussion. But as, um, mm-hmm. I thought I'll let you know what teenagers come up with when it comes to tattoo. Mm-hmm. They said the Bible said tie them on your hands and your, bind them on your foreheads. I don't think it was talking about tattoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Write them on the door frames of your houses. And on your gates. Amen. Amen. This is what God commands us to do. But the command is. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your strength. Why? He says so that you may enjoy a long life. Why? So that it may go well with you. Why? Why? So that you may increase in this land flowing with milk and honey. 
So God gives this command for our benefit. Of course, when it comes to the New Testament, Jesus repeats that in all three Gospels when the experts of the law ask him the question. But the thing is, um, it's a um, quite demanding thing for somebody to say, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And we need to understand this command doesn't come out of a vacuum. I think it's important for us as Christians, any law, any command we see in the scriptures, if we do not take into the context of God's grace, it will be very difficult to follow it. You always ask yourself, why am I doing this? That's why I said the communion is so meaningful. The things we do as Christians is always in a context. And we need to understand the context before we do it. If not, we burden ourselves. We live a very legalistic life. So what had relationship did God have with these people for him to say, love me with all your heart, soul and strength? What journey have they been on? Okay, and Israel needed a faithful memory of what God has done with them to be able to faithfully obey what God is asking them to do. Without faithful memory, it's quite difficult actually to live what we are called to do. So Moses tries to remind them what God has done. And in that context, for them to be able to live According to this calling. Let's look at the context. He reminds them in Deuteronomy 1 verse 8. God said to them, I have given you this land. Go and take possession of it. Why? Because I promised it to your ancestors. In verse 10 he said, You have increased in numbers. As numerous as the stars in the sky. That's the context. Moses is trying to say, remember what God has done for you. Verse 30. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you. That's what he's done for you. The Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. He went ahead of you on your journey. In fire by night and in cloud by day. That's what God did for them. There was divine protection. For Israel as they journey through the wilderness. Moses is reminding them of what God has done. Chapter 2, he tells them, The Lord your God has blessed you in all your work. For 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Imagine if you lived a life and you said, I lack nothing. I mean, I don't need anything because my parents have given me all. That's what God has done for his people. And continues to do. You lack nothing. In chapter 4 he goes on to remind them. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants. He brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. We always watch uh, Prince of Egypt when the sea is parted. And it's wonderful isn't it? Mm -hmm. But that's exactly what God did for his people. When the army of the Egyptians were coming. And Moses' part, he said, that's what I've done for you. Mm -hmm. 
chapter 7, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people. His treasured possession. I mean, think of those words. Treasured possession. Mm. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Amen. He said it's not because you are many, you are the fewest. And yet, I protected you. Chapter 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Wow. For 40 years. Today I took my first trouser. I was about to put it on. I saw a hole and I threw it away. Pick another one. Then went for this one. Imagine if I had clothes that for 40 years I could wear that it never wore out. <laughs> that is what God did with the, his people. He cared for them. He clothed them for 40 years. They walked down hot deserts. And the Bible say, your feet did not swell at all. Wow. That's what God does for them. Chapter 8, verse 15. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness. That thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness. Something your ancestors had never known. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, who Jesus quotes when he was tempted. Chapter 9. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you his good land to possess. For you are stiff-necked people. Mm. Chapter 10. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on you and loved you. He chose you above all nations as it is today. Wow. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the skies. This is what God has done for his people. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but for the fear but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart. Amen? Amen. That's the context in which God says, love me with all your heart. 
I walked with you for 40 years. I protected you from the snakes, from the scorpions. When you were hungry, I fed you. When you were thirsty, water came out of the rocks. Your clothes never wore out. Your feet never swore. This is what God has done for his people. Amen. Amen. And as per the communion scripture Cameron shared, it's same with us. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. <coughs> the message is the same for us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. 1 Peter 2. So that we may die to sin and do what? Live for righteousness. For God so loved the world. John 3. He gave his son. Brothers and sisters, when we are called to love God, it's not out of a vacuum. There's context. And we cannot walk that walk unless we understand deeply the grace. Deeply the grace and the blessing, the protection, the provision God gives us. If we do it any other way, you will burn out because you will be legalistic. In Christ, we have a lot. Amen. Amen. We have become the children of God. That's what the Gospel of John tells us. John 1.12 in Christ we become the children of God. We shall no longer perish, but have eternal life. Amen? Amen. Wow. We become fellow citizens with God's people. We become members of God's household. We become a dwelling, a dwelling in which God's Holy Spirit lives. Wow. For Rami is a temple of God. God's Spirit dwells in him. Can you imagine that? Mm. Julia Wakefield is a temple of God. God dwells in her. Mm. Amen. Can you imagine that? But that's what we are in Christ. All of us. So when God calls us, it's not out of a vacuum. There's context. And the context is his grace and his power. His salvation. Jesus called us his brothers and sisters. He said we've entered his rest. Do you know that? You are sitting here, you have entered God's rest. You share in the Holy Spirit. You have tasted the goodness of God. God has put his words in your minds and in your hearts. And therefore, when you breach, when you step that line, you know when the Holy Spirit convicts you. The only way Christians do sin is when we see our consciences. And Satan will allow us to do that. We'll be made holy through the sacrifice of Christ. Our names are written in heaven. Amen. Amen. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in view of that God's mercy, He calls us to love Him with all our hearts. Amen. Amen. And we need to be able to do that because we love God. There are a few things we need to consider this morning. If we are going to live this life, we need to hold to deep conviction about God. John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life. To know God and Jesus Christ whom we send. Unless we have deep conviction about God and what is done, we will give up. Our Christian life will become a burden. We need to have deep conviction about God. 
Number one, for example, God exists. Do you believe that? Amen. I think it's a good start. Amen. God is real. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I'm quoting Hebrews 11.6. But that's what we are called to do. God is spirit. He's a creator. He's holy. He's love. We need to know about God. We need to have deep conviction that the Bible is God's word. I tell you, as a Christian, when the Bible speaks, I'll be so uncompromising in making sure what God calls us to live by. Amen? We can be sentimental, but let's not be sentimental with God's word. Jesus is the son of God who came for us. We are saved by grace through faith in baptism. Amen. We need to have deep convictions about these things. And about the grace that God gives us. I think I put the assurance of grace. Forgive me if I put a graph there. I'm an accountant. I understand things by graphs. But the dark line you see going up across is the point where you get converted. Okay? So you see conversion up there. And um, it's the percentage of forgiveness. The point where you get converted, when you repented and got baptized, you were forgiven 100% on all across. It's 100%. Amen? (laughs) The red line you see is probably your spiritual life. Okay? And you think, oh, I messed up. I want pornography. So you dip. And you think you've lost great salvation. No, you haven't lost salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may go up and down in your spiritual life. But you are saved. You are 100% forgiven. Amen. Amen. Again, the communion man. Come on. Did a bit of speeding. <laughs> a young man trying to test the powers of his car. <laughs> and he dipped. But he didn't lose his salvation. They could have taken his lines away. They could have jailed him for 18 months. Whatever it is. But his salvation is intact. So far there was repentance. Amen. Am I saying once saved, always saved? No, I'm not saying that either. Because... Unfortunately, we can lose this salvation. It's chilling, but we can lose our salvation. How do we do that? I have three S's for that. The first one is suicide. Spiritual suicide is when you say, I don't believe Christ exists anymore. I don't believe in the redeeming work of Christ. That's suicide. You lose your salvation. The letters of John talk about that. The second S is what I call, you starve yourself to death. You see, the Bible asks us to be spiritually nourished. A good text for you to look at will be Acts 2.42 going. When they got baptized, what did they do? Devoted to the apostles' teaching. Devoted to prayer. Devoted to the fellowship. To the breaking of bread. They shared in the temple court. They were loving. If as a Christian, how are you going to know all these things about God unless you, you are devoted to the word of God? If you do not nourish yourself as a Christian, believe me, Satan will take you out. You need to nourish yourself. The word of God needs to burn in your heart. I have faith in your word. 
in my heart, therefore I may not sin against you. You need to nourish yourself. Amen. Amen. Then the last one I call strangulation. Strangulation is um, when you feel the line seems to sin again, Romans 6. Should we sin therefore grace? No, 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 don't do that, Paul says. Don't even do that. If we deliberately keep on sinning, you know the scriptures, Romans, Hebrews 10, 26. I'm not saying we are not going to sin. If we claim to be without sin, we lie. But we need to repent. We need to repent. So, yes, you may lose your salvation. But what I'm saying is when you dip in your Christian life, I don't think you've lost your salvation. Don't wake up thinking, oh, I missed my quiet time, I've lost my salvation. Please, don't live like that. There is grace. Amen. Amen. Oh, I didn't bring somebody to church, I've lost my salvation. No. I got angry with my wife, I've lost my salvation. No. <laughs> Say it again. So far as you repent. Amen. Say it again. There is repentance. Amen. But we need to have deep conviction. And this deep conviction of faith will come only through hearing the message, the word. Amen. So Christians, don't leave your Christian quiet times by a podcast or a text from somebody. I know Cameron used the gadgets. I use the Bible. Okay. I love reading the Bible. Come on now. You see what I'm saying? Wherever gadget you may have it and read, just read the Bible. It is important that you get a message from the Bible. Second point. We need to have obedience that is not legalistic. Okay. We the scriptures let me put scriptures there for you. If you love me, you will obey my command. I think of Abraham. God says to him, Abraham, I want you to leave your people, your nation, and go to a land you do not even know. And what did he do? He left. Jesus said to the disciple, Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What did they do? They left. They gave up their net, they left. Jesus himself in Gethsemane I mean he was struggling for three hours he would pray take this from me what did he do? he surrendered it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourself it is the gift of God for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works Amen. amen we are saved and we are saved so that we'll do good works. You see, the law, the legalistic mind says, I work in order to be saved. Mm-hmm. The mind that understands grace says, I work because I have been saved. Yes. And Paul said, For I'm the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I'm what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. Yet not I, by the grace of God that was in me. Mm. I work because I have been saved. Mm. We obey, not in a legalistic way. Mm. We live life that reflects God's glory. 
And the only scripture I want to share that is uh, Galatians. The fruits of the Spirit. We need to let the Holy Spirit be seen to be active in our lives. Amen. It is important. Okay. People should see your life and realize, wow, this brother, this sister has the Holy Spirit. Our lives should reflect Christ. It should glorify God. Okay. And it shares, Galatians 5 talk about love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? Crucify the flesh with his passions and desires. We live a holy life. Because the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Amen. We live by the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. And that is important. We live a life active in prayer. I always say as a Christian, one thing that convicts me about Jesus' life is his life of prayer. You cannot miss it. Oh my goodness. I'm always convicted by Jesus' life of prayer. Very early in the morning while it was so dark, the Bible says he goes and prays. Luke 15 5, 16. He often would draw to lonely places and he would pray. Luke 6, 12. He went to the mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying. Wow. Luke 9 mountain of transfiguration. In the garden of Gethsemane, look at his prayer to the point of submission. Hebrews 5, 7 said during the days of Jesus' life on earth what did he do? He offered up prayers and petition with fervor and cries and tears. That was Jesus. That's, that's the Son of God. That is God in the flesh. He prayed. We need to have that life. Brothers, and I'm sure the sisters as well, we need to be men of prayer. Okay? We cannot leave the ministry of Christ without being men of prayer. It will be arrogant of us to think we can do anything on our strength. We need to pray for God to lead us. Yesterday I called the brothers to a hill called Braggett Park in, a, in Leicester. And we were there 7 a.m. It was wonderful to sing and pray to God. I'm sure there is a hill somewhere in Birmingham. And brothers will be going there a lot. Because we need to be men of prayer. If we are going to lead, and men are called to lead, Amen. Husbands, you are called to lead. Amen. Amen. Brothers, you are called to lead. Amen. Amen. We are not going to lead by opinion or arrogance. We lead by God's spirit. And we begin with prayer. So, we shall follow Christ. As he prayed. Amen. A life that glorifies God will remind others of God. Amen. Church, we need to remind each other about God. When Philemon said, be active in sharing your faith, it wasn't in the context of reaching out to outside, but reaching out to each other in the body. We need to share our faith with each other. We need to share our quiet times with each other. Okay, I'm fired up about cricket and football, but I'm also interested in what you're reading in the Bible. Let's share our faith with each other. We need to remind our children of God's word, as that he commanded us in Deuteronomy. Mm. We share the word with each other. We share the word with the world. Mm. As I said, we were praying yesterday, and my prayer partner was a brother who just moved to London to the Leicester Church. He's an Italian man. Mm. And uh, I said, how did you become a Christian? And um, 
he said he moved from Italy here 1998, 99 and and um, things didn't go well and somehow God humbled him and he started reading the Bible again. He used to be a Catholic and he said he read the Bible and it convicted him that perhaps he should leave the UK and go on a mission. He said that's what the Bible told him. So he went to the Catholic church near Bank, a uh, bank in the center of London and went to see the priest and said to the priest, I've been reading the Bible and I think God is calling me to go on a mission. And the priest said to him, you don't speak a word of English, go back to Italy. Go and talk to the priest and they will send you on a mission somewhere in Italy. So he said, he was going home, he was living in West London, in Chiswick. He said he got to the tube station and a guy walked to him and gave him invitation to church. Can you imagine that? This guy has just gone to see the Catholic priest. He wants to go on a mission because the Bible has convicted him, whichever verse he read. And he gets to the chief station going home, and somebody invites him to church. <laughs> so, the Sunday he shows up at church, and um, he couldn't speak good English. They call a brother, some of you may know a brother who used to be in the church called Davio Campi, was in the north. People said, oh, Davio, this guy showed up, can you come and join? And they said it. And, and I was so inspired by that. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? We should share the good news. Yeah. God is always preparing people for the good news. Yeah. When he said to Philip, go down the Gaza road, there was an Ethiopian eunuch. When he said to Paul, uh, Peter, there was a, a pious man, the Cornelius. Paul in Acts 19, the disciples in Ephesus. You understand what I'm saying? God is always working. But Christians, we need to allow the Spirit to lead us. Because people are seeking God. Finally, we need to yearn for a better home. Guys, this is not our home. Eternity awaits us. Eternity awaits us. There is nothing beautiful like the death of a Christian. You think that's morbid. Believe me, they are going somewhere better. We are passing through this journey. We are passing through this journey. Colossians 3 said, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Amen. Amen. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy. He said, I'm about to die. I'm ready being poured out. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Wow. That's a living man saying, I'm dying, but you know what? I'm going to a better place. Moses said, when he grew up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Amen? Amen. And all these witnesses in the Hebrews 11 scripture on faith, this is what Hebrews 11 talks about, say about them, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from 
a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say sad things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. Amen. A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. Amen. Guys, God has prepared a city for us. We need to yearn for a better hope. What do you desire in this life that may prevent you from entering that city? So in conclusion, we need to hold to deep convictions. Amen. We need to obey without legalism. We need to live lives that reflect Christ. And we need to yearn for a better hope. We need to love the Lord, our God, with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. Thank you very much.